You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Revealing the Father, Part 5. Enjoy. Just so much. Hallelujah. It's a good day. We're so glad you guys are here. Something new is happening in uh, New England, and that's what's going on right here. Yeah. We're, uh, we are convinced Jesus never came to set up a religion. He came to bring us into a chain-breaking, uh, love-set-freeing, healing, whole relationship with the Father. So that's why we're here. We want you to know that. And um, I'll tell you, I, I'm really going through the week, and uh, the Lord is speaking to me so much about what he wants to do here. And I don't know how to contain myself, really, because <laughs> it's off the charts. And I want to invite you to come along. And all that really is required to come along is your heart attitude, to really keep your heart focused on Jesus. Because things are going to happen here, uh, and it's not going uh, to make religious sense. It's not going to fit into the doctrines of man, but it does make Jesus sense. You'll see it in the Gospels, and you'll see it in Acts. People being set free, people being whole, people being changed. So not, uh, things aren't going to fit into a nice little box here, okay? And I want to encourage you not to be afraid, but to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, um, I, I've, I'm, I'm done with, with religious uh, tradition in, in a sense where um, I realize that our time on earth is so short, uh, whether it be 120 years or whatever it may be, it's a, it's a blink of an eye compared to eternity. I want all of Jesus I can get. And I really don't have any time to entertain religious ideas or religious um, traditions. I respect people, I love them, but I need Jesus, and I'm not going to settle for anything less than Jesus, okay? So that's what we're about here, experiencing Jesus. So when you get up on Sunday morning, come ready to taste and see how good he is. Hallelujah. So we're not going to be in a hurry. We're going to let the Lord minister to us. And I, I know what the Lord has uh, spoken, to, I believe, to my heart is as we get ready, obviously, this is a place that we're renting. It's a karate studio, and we're thankful for that. But it's not, it's not uh, a facility that meets our needs. It's, not, it's just a starting point for us. But before we go into our facility, I'll let you in on a little secret. The Lord is, is searching hearts. Uh, in Second Chronicles, I'm forgetting the reference now, 16.9, says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God is searching hearts here. Okay. There are going to be all kinds of opportunities and things that unfold in the days ahead. But in order for you to enjoy it and walk into it, God wants a heart that belongs to him. That's totally his. Well, how do you get a heart that belongs to him? And that's not the focus of what we're going to do today. Well, we'll see. I believe that's going to be next week and the week following. But you take on the same attitude that Jesus had. At age 12, he said, I must be about my father's business. He saw his whole life and the world around him from the perspective of his father's heart. And I want to invite everyone here today, whether it's your first time or your hundredth time here, I want to invite you to, to take on the attitude of Jesus because I want to go all the way. And nothing less is going to get us there. So we are about the Father's business. So I don't want you to see this as coming to church. We say that regularly. We don't come to church anymore. We became the church. The church is the body of Christ, those who put their faith in him, the sons and daughters of God. But this is something that, that, that we see in the scriptures, the corporate gathering of the sons and daughters of God. And the Lord wants to pull us together and to organize us and move us forward. But what is essential is the heart for that, okay? So listen to the Lord and, and don't fall asleep. Because I, I, I'm watching the Lord orchestrate yeah. 
and speak to me about different people and different hearts and different attitudes and things because he's preparing us to move in our own place. Okay? Don't miss where we're going. Right? The, the only way you can miss it is if you take your eyes off of Jesus and start putting him on people or yourself. Right? So the attitude that, that I had when I came to know him in, in 1989, uh, I, I, it just changed everything. I was 19 years old and had a crazy life growing up, painful life. And someone gave me a Bible and I started reading the book of John and I started reading the words of Jesus. I thought, wow, there's no one like this. There's no one like this Jesus. And I wasn't in a church. I wasn't, someone wasn't, I was just reading the Bible. I was going, I started going to a church that was teaching the Bible, which helped me and I gave my life to Christ there. But it was the words of Christ that transformed me. And I, I said, God, I give you my whole life, every dream, every talent, every desire, every hobby, every nuance of my being. I put in your hands, and I've never looked back. And that was almost 30, well, 30 year, almost 30 years ago. And I'm so glad I did that. I'm so glad I didn't uh, change my mind 10 years into it. Right, right. 10 years later, the Lord spoke to me about going into full-time ministry. This attitude I'm sharing with you is, is not only for those going into full-time ministry. It's for all of us. Why? Because the meaning of life is knowing the Father. This is for everybody. Remember, Jesus didn't come as an example for us, but of us, right? Jesus came down to earth not as God. He was God, but he emptied himself of his godliness, and he came to earth as a what? A baby, a man, a little boy, right? Yeah. And he, he was just like every other baby with the exception that he was conceived in the womb by the Holy Spirit. Okay, but he had flesh just like any baby you hold has flesh. He had diapers. They weren't disposable, but he had them, <laughs> right? He had those manger diapers. I don't know what those would be like. <laughs> those 180 diapers. I don't know what they used. Some kind of special rigging or something. I don't know. But Jesus emptied himself of his godliness and he came to earth as a man. If you see him as God in all of his power when he, in the Gospels, you're going to miss out on the example that he portrayed of us. In other words, he emptied himself of his godliness and he came to earth. He was born of a virgin. He came out of the womb, which he had to do. He had to come into the earth just like you came into the earth. Because man needed redeemed. God didn't need to be redeemed. Man needed to be redeemed. He had to come as a man. Now, he was always God. I don't know. I quite understand how that works. But he laid down his godliness, and he came at, literally as a man. And if you'll read through John in the Gospels, you'll see him refer to himself as the son of man over and over again. Why did he keep saying that? As he wanted people to know that he was demonstrating to us what life was meant to be like as a man, as a woman, walking in relationship with the Father. And Philippians exhorts us to have this same attitude. So it's not for just for pastors or men. It's for all of us. And when you take on the same attitude that Christ had, your destiny will unfold. It really will. When you give your whole self to him. So you can ask yourself the question, say, you know, what, what, what do you want out of life? That's a good question to know. Good question to ask yourself. It's a good question to answer. I want to challenge you to make this your answer, to know him more, to experience more of him to fulfill his destiny for my life. When that becomes the honest, genuine desire of your heart, then that sets God free to move like he wants to move in your life. You become a vessel he can flow through. We know here at Highway Church that God can't do whatever he wants, right? The world's not under his control. Satan is the God of this world. If God could do whatever he wants, there'd be no sickness, 
There'd be no disease. There'd be no war. There'd be no crime. Right? This is the world has been has been taken over by the prince of darkness, right? But in the midst of this world, we can have victory. We can have joy, peace, wholeness through faith in Christ. But God can't do what he wants in your life unless you let him. I didn't plan on saying any of this. I, I, I wish I could, I could let people know. It's funny, you know, people think you, you're, you're starting a church, you're being a pastor because you have some kind of agenda or something. My agenda is to walk with Jesus. And they think like you kind of prepare sermons based on what you want to message, you want to share with people. And, but if you're believing it, I believe if you're doing it, what I believe is the Jesus way, you go before the Father and you say, God, what do you want to say? And I was at a, a minister's conference and they, uh, they were talking, uh, a leader of a very large organization and who attends a church of 60-some thousand people in, in the States, has 17 campuses, and they were talking about uh, a very well-known minister um, and because they were, they were talking about how important it is for a pastor to be able to spend time in the Word. And this minister spends about 20 hours a week just preparing for the message. Um, and you see in, in Acts, the apostles... Uh, talked about the importance of those who are called to minister the word to have time to devote to the word. So they began dividing up responsibilities in their corporate gatherings so that that could happen because nothing's more important than the ministry of the word. So I want you to know this. Uh, Of course, we we have conversations with people during the week and we we email and we, we talk back and forth. But I am purpose to say what I believe the Lord wants us to say on Sunday. And it's not based on a conversation I had with someone. And sometimes God reads your mail. Have you ever had that happen? He's like, why is he saying that? (laughs) Don't get offensive. Don't get uh, insecure. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. It's inevitable that he's going to say things to you that relate to your life every Sunday, if you'll listen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I, I, I spend a, a good, good bit of time praying and seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, you show me what you want to say. And uh, it's many hours each week because I want him more than I want anything else. And I want our time together to be transforming. So I want to invite you, don't get used to coming to church like a religious activity. Forget that. Come ready to worship God. Don't come to volunteer. We don't volunteer here. We serve the king here. Don't see this as a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You've got to be kingdom of God minded. So every chair we fold, we're serving the king of kings. Every muffin we slice, right? Every song we sing, we're doing it as service unto the king. Are you ready for a shocking statement? When you adopt the same attitude that Jesus adopted, what we do here will become more important to you than what you do seven days a week. It will. Why? Because this is the vehicle God has chosen to change the world, his church. It is. He doesn't have a plan B. God put his sons and daughters in the earth, and you go from the Old Testament to Revelation, there's an organized body called the body of Christ, and he set up a system to change the world. And I know that, boy, I'll tell you, I didn't understand any of this. I know we've all had different kind of church experiences. And, man, I, I had some doozies that make you never want to go to church again. But I love Jesus too much. I love him too much to stay away. So we come here not because people are perfect, but because, because Jesus is leading us. And the, the primary criteria, once I began to read the Bible, and I, uh, that I had in choosing the church I went to is they've got to preach the fullness of Jesus. They've got to know who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in Christ. And they have to build us up in that. And that's not easy to find. 
a place like that. It's very easy to get off of that because there's 1,072 topics you could focus on every Sunday. But I really believe the Lord has raised me up and my family up to bring that message to this region, who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. Okay? So I'm saying all that. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I don't even have a horn. I play guitar. So I used to have a saxophone when I was a kid, but I don't have that anymore. I want to give you a kingdom perspective. It's time to go through life with a kingdom perspective. And and obviously everyone is not called to be in full-time ministry. But the work that you're doing, the, the way you're employing your gifts during the week, has the Lord led you to that? Have you surrendered your whole life to him? Is that what he's led you to do? Do you know at the core of your being on Monday when you arrive at your workplace, this is God's purpose for me right now? That doesn't mean it's his final destination. But do you know the Lord has led me to this place? Don't settle for anything less. It's time to have a kingdom of God mentality. We're aliens in the earth. Heaven is our home. We're here on a mission. We have a kingdom of God mentality. We're not just going to work just for the sake of work. We're going to do what we do because we're walking with the Father. Now, don't quit your job. I'm not telling you to do that. What I'm telling you is take on the same attitude as Jesus. And when you ask God to show you, he'll show you. Isn't that great? He'll show you. So let's say you're working a job right now, a full-time job right now, uh, five, six days a week. And you say, okay, but you're not sure that this is what you should be doing. And I say, Lord, show me. Don't get all tangled up and say, oh, should I do this? Just show me, Lord. And then as you go through each day, let the Holy Spirit reveal to you his plan. And he, you might find that you're in the exact place you need to be. You may find that. You might find that, you know what, this isn't where I, a change needs to happen. So what do you do? Do you tell your boss, I quit? No. You, do, you work on that job with excellence. You do it as unto the Lord, but you keep seeking the Lord and say, show me, Lord. Lead me. Guide me. And maybe months will pass by. I don't know. It's up to the Lord. Let him lead you. And he'll begin to open doors, and he'll begin to bring you in touch with the right people. And somewhere, somewhere along the line, you'll see something, or someone will say something. Oh, that's what I need to do. I need to go there now, okay? But the kingdom of God, we're walking with God through life. We're not your average bear, right? We're like Yogi Bear. We're better than your average, but we've got a, we've got a heavenly calling to fulfill our, our Father's destiny. And we're not trying to fulfill the American dream. The Father's dream is much better. God doesn't want you to struggle each week to try and pay your bills. His blessing brings wealth and adds no sorrow to it. I really want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to get the book Live the Let Go Life that we're doing at get-togethers during the week. And eat that thing up. It will take you to a whole new place because we're kind of raised, if we, don't, if, we, if we don't have parents who understand this, you know, just to work hard and apply yourself and, and save your money and do your, if you need more money, you work harder for it, you get another job, but that will wear you out. I'm not against work, but I want to make the most of my time. It's better if your money works for you than you working for your money. Do you know that? That's a different way of thinking. That's a kingdom way of thinking. Learn to make your money work for you instead of you work for your money. Right? Look at money as a seed. Right? Learn, get into the kingdom mentality of sowing and reaping instead of nine to five. We have a sowing and reaping mentality, not a nine-to-five mentality. Hallelujah. Now, man fell from this life. Man fell from this kingdom life, this blessing of wealth life, this righteousness of God life. And I wanted to get back into a series that we had been doing last week. Ladies, Jennifer and Judy and Sarah, thank you 
for ministering life to us, giving us Jesus. That was an excellent morning last Sunday. And then we had Pastor Jonathan and Verna Del Turco. Excellent. But prior to that, three weeks ago, we were in a series called Revealing the Father. And I want to continue along those lines. And I, I believe if we don't get there this Sunday, next Sunday, and the following Sunday, and maybe the one after that, that there's going to be some key word from the Lord that we're going to need to move into our facility. I know God's already prepared it for us. We're looking, we've talked with different people, and I want prime real estate. I want a great spot, a great spot where people can pull off the road and and taste Jesus. I don't want something back off in the woods somewhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So revealing the Father, that's why we're here. We want people to taste and see how good God is, how much he loves them. And we had said that Jesus came for that reason, to reveal the Father to us. The Holy Spirit has the same goal. So if you're reading through your Bible in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, I encourage you to read them regularly. Read the Gospels, read the book of Acts, read the epistles, the New Testament you'll see that Jesus did what he did not because he was God, but because he was a man who put his faith in God the Father and was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He did what he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was the first man to ever do that. All of the saints of the Old Testament, there were times the Holy Spirit would come upon them, but they weren't born again. No one could be born again until Christ was first born from the dead, okay? So very important to understand how unique Jesus was in that sense. He was the first, but he's not the last. He's the last Adam, but he's the firstborn among many, okay? We're his siblings. We've been born of him. We've been born of his word. So we see Jesus and the Holy Spirit working together. In the Gospels. Are you following me? As if you think it's God who just came down to earth and pow, but you can't do that. That's not true. In fact, Jesus said that anyone who has faith in him will do what he had been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Are you telling me that you can raise the dead? Yes. Because the Holy Spirit's in you. The same resurrection power. That, that, that caused Lazarus to get out of the grave is in you now. Isn't that amazing? It's very true. So the Holy Spirit was given to us to lead us into the reality of this. Now, we, we left off, we had talked about man, and you can go back to April 29th on our website if you go to highwaychurch.us. Click on the podcast link, and you can listen to this series. The last one was three weeks ago. We had stopped. We said man fell from the God life that that he was made to live. And it's important to understand that because as you're going through life, you can kind of start thinking this is just the way things are. You can let your circumstances speak to you. And maybe you've been dealing with some stuff that's been like that for years. And you just start thinking, well... It's just the way it is. God wants to elevate you, lift you up above your circumstances, and bring you into life abundantly. So we went all the way back to Adam, the first man, Adam and Eve, and we saw that Adam put his faith in the words of Satan. And as a result, his spirit was separated from his father, from God. And man fell from the God life he was designed for. Christ came to bring us back into that life so that we could live the life we were designed to live. And it's important to understand that when Adam fell, he fell from this revelation of God as Father. He fell from Holy Spirit revealed truth to man-made reasoning. We could say it this way. He fell from revelation to education. Okay? He went from knowing things by the Spirit of God to having to try and figure things out with his own reasoning. And that's where many believers are today. They're trying to figure it out with their own reasoning. He went from being spirit-led to being flesh-led or reason-led. Like Pastor Jonathan talked about. So God speaks to you, and you start getting out the measuring. 
tape, right? Is that possible? Can that happen? That's the fallen nature. The new you, when God speaks, leaps and says, yes, Father, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. That's the new you. The new you takes God at his word without question. Hallelujah. He fell from, from reigning as a king over darkness to being a slave to darkness. Big change. And he fell from living in God's strength to trying to live life in his own strength. Now here's something amazing. After Adam fell, everything changed in the earth, and it got worse and worse. There's some good news coming, but it's important to understand the context of what happened. And people say, why is there evil in the world? The Bible tells us, right? And man fell, and when man fell, Satan seized the authority over the earth. And in Genesis chapter 6, and verses 3 through 5, we don't have to put it up there. We're going to keep moving here. But it, it, God makes a statement, and this is, this is a while ago, thousands of years ago. God said that every imagination of every human being on the planet had become only evil. Wow. We don't even know what that's like. I mean, there's evil in the world today that blows our minds. But at that point in time, God said every imagination of every human being on the planet had become only evil, except for Noah. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing statement. And God shortened the lifespan of man at that point in time to 120 years. In fact, if you'll look, when God spoke that, it was maybe 100 or so years after that, the flood came. And if you'll look at one of Noah's sons, Shem, Shem lived 600 years. And if you'll look at each generation that followed him, the lifespan decreased until you get to Moses, who was how many years? 120, right? So God shortened the lifespan. Why did God do that? He wanted to redeem mankind. He wanted to get his son into the earth as soon as possible to destroy the darkness. God had a plan to redeem us, to save us. And then we see the flood in Genesis chapter 7. And God promised to never do that again. And in Genesis chapter 11, we see the Tower of Babel, which was kind of one of the heights of man's arrogance. Right? They said, basically, we don't need God. We can do this ourselves. We can determine our own destiny. Right? And as a result, mankind was scattered. Now, pay attention to this. This is really interesting. Mankind was scattered, if you'll go back to Genesis 11, you can read it on your own, geographically scattered throughout the earth and linguistically. They began to speak different languages. That was not God's plan. God made us in his image to speak his language. Do you know that? I love studying different languages. They're beautiful. But God didn't want that kind of confusion in the earth where someone from a, uh, speaks a, where we can't understand each other. He wants us to speak his language. So the, we need the Holy Spirit to bring us back into the language of the Father, the life of the Father, to help us speak God's language again. And we see that in the book of Acts. You guys okay? I don't know how this is coming out. I'm just kind of trying to roll with it here. Go to John chapter 16, verse 7. If you go home with anything today, go home with this, that God gave his son for you so that you could be made new, and that the Holy Spirit is essential for life. We need the Holy Spirit to speak God's language again. We need the Holy Spirit so that we can see life as God sees life. So that we can be kingdom-minded again. So that we can stop doing the 9 to 5 American dream mentality and start having the Jesus mentality. I must be about my father's business. I must serve in his kingdom. I must expand his body. I must employ my gifts for his glory. So in John chapter 16, verse 7, this is Jesus talking. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. 
It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, who's that? Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. What could be better than walking side by side with God? Having God walking by your side. What could be better than that? Having God living inside of you. If you've put your faith in Christ, God lives inside of you. It can't get any better than that on this earth. God is living inside of you. A little later, verse 13, he says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. See, that's what you need. You need the Holy Spirit to show you how you're to employ your gifts. How do you employ your time? You'll prosper. Don't worry about that. Don't crunch the numbers and try and decide it that way. That's man-made reason. There's nothing wrong. I, we have a budget. We have a uh, software that we use that gives us pie graphs on our revenue and expenses and investments. We do all that. But that's not, that's not how we come to make our decisions. We let the Holy Spirit unveil his plan for us and we watch him expand our budget and increase our revenue and, 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 and restructure our budget and revenue. Verse uh, 14, go to the next verse. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Listen, today the Holy Spirit, he's already been doing it. He wants to reveal Christ to you. You don't need to go another day in your life without experiencing intimacy with Christ. I know there's a lot of noise in the world trying to pull you away from this, but it is the meaning of your life. Intimacy with the one who made you. It's yours through simple faith in Christ, through simple faith in him. The Holy Spirit, if you'll just put your faith in Christ, if you'll take him at his word and believe that he bore your sins for you, that he gave you his righteousness, if you'll believe that, it opens the door for the Holy Spirit to begin speaking to you, revealing Christ to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. See, we're here to listen to the Holy Spirit, aren't we? Hallelujah. Now, are there any other spirits in the world? Oh, yeah. This might sound kind of crazy talking about spirits, but you're a spirit, right? That's what death is. Death is, uh, natural death is when someone's spirit leaves their mortal body, right? We call that death. And, and spiritual death is when someone's spirit is separated from God. But there are spirits in the earth. Don't fall asleep on me now. This is good. They're roaming the earth looking for a, a place to live, looking for a body to attach themselves to. This is how spirits work. How do you tell the difference between the spirits that are in the earth and the Holy Spirit? Really important. You have to test the spirits. What's the test? How do, we, how do we know if the Holy Spirit is speaking to us or if it's a spirit? And, and, and see, I, I, don't, uh, I don't discount someone who's a, uh, a mediast or, or a, uh, what am I trying to say? Fortune teller is not the word, but medium. Thank you. I don't, den I don't denounce that that is not supernatural. But I know it's not the Holy Spirit. I don't denounce that spirits speak to people. I don't say that doesn't happen. I know that it does. But I know it's not the Holy Spirit. And I know it's not the spirit of their ancestor that they think it is. See, spirits have been around since before man was around. So they can follow your family and know everything about you and then say something to you and you think, that's my grandfather talking. 
No one else knew that but my grandfather. Oh, yeah, they did. There are spirits that were assigned to you. Satan had a strategy to get you away from Christ and to pull you away from this intimacy so you could have a spirit speak to you something that only your grandpa knew. And you think that validates that that's your grandpa talking. It's not. We're just going, we're just going where the Holy Spirit leads us this morning. Okay? You understanding what I'm saying? There are people looking to mediums and spiritists and looking for spiritual answers. What was one I saw on TV the other day? It was an advertisement for something. I don't remember what it was. And I get that. I understand. People want answers. But listen, the only one who has the answer that will set you free is Jesus. He's the only one. And isn't that great to know? I mean, you, you Google something and you got like 43,000 results. You're never going to look at all those. It was such a relief when Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You don't have to look any farther. Here I am. If you want to know who you really are, come to Jesus. Let him unveil the real you. I love the Holy Spirit. So how do we know? First and foremost, the Holy Spirit is the same as he was in the New Testament. He'll reveal Christ to us every time. Never once will the Holy Spirit lead you away from Jesus. This is a safeguard because we can't see spirits. You can't see your spirit. God's a spirit. We can't see him. So you have to know how to discern the leadings that are going on in your life because God's not the only one trying to lead you. That's right. Do you know that? That's right. There are other spirits trying to lead you. You need to know which one to follow. So first and foremost, the Holy Spirit will always lead you to Christ. The Holy Spirit will always glorify Christ. The Holy Spirit will always exalt Jesus. And those who are listening to the Holy Spirit will also glorify Christ. So if you're looking to someone from counsel in your life and they're not leading you to Jesus, you need to look elsewhere. Because he's the answer for you. Now here's something you may not know. If you want to know the Holy Spirit's leading in your life, he will always lead you into the New Testament reality of God. Now, someone might hear that. Let me say that again. When the Holy Spirit is leading you, he will always lead you into the New Testament reality of God. Now, someone might hear that and say, did he just say the Holy Spirit will never let us read the Old Testament? No. That's not what I said, okay? Yes, the Holy Spirit will lead us to read the Old Testament. But when he does, you'll see Jesus there. He'll unveil Christ to you in Genesis through Malachi, okay? He will not lead you into the bondage of the Old Testament. He'll lead you into the liberty of Christ in the New Testament, okay? You can have a supernatural experience. A spirit can appear to you. Something supernatural can happen. A picture on your wall move. That doesn't mean it's from God. I don't know why we're talking about all this, but we're going to go there. All right? We're living in a place in New England where people are really looking to spirits. They're looking for answers. Let me give you an example. Let's go to whoever's on the slides back there. Can we go to Hebrews, uh, let's see, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, we'll go to verse 18. Before we put it up there, let me share something with you. So let's say the Holy Spirit comes to you. Oh, excuse me, scratch that. Let's say you're looking for answers. And this spirit starts to lead you and says, if you want to be forgiven of your sins, then you need to get a lamb and sacrifice it. And you see this glowing vision of a lamb. I'm being kind of funny. Would that be the Holy Spirit? 
Listen closely. Every cult that I know of started with a person who had a supernatural experience with the Spirit. But it wasn't the Holy Spirit. But because it was supernatural, they felt it must be God. So if, if this Spirit is leading you to do something that they did in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, it's not the Holy Spirit. God doesn't go backwards. He brings us forward. If he has to go back in time to fix something, he can do that. But in other words, the lamb, Jesus did, Jesus accomplished, he ratified a new covenant. The old covenant is done away with. So that means we don't look back to Mount Sinai. We are on Mount Zion. Hebrews 12, look at this. For you have not come to the mountain. What is, what is the context here? Talk about Mount Sinai. An amazing place, right? That's where the law was given. You've not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire into blackness and darkness and tempest. Next verse. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the world should not be spoken to them, excuse me, that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they cannot endure what was commanded, and if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. Dark times, dark, dark times. Verse 21 And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Verse 22. But you, New Testament people, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Look at verse 23. And Christian, uh, do we have the message translation up there? If not, we'll read that one. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Yeah. And Christian citizens, it is the city where God is judged with judgments that make us just. God, when, when Jesus rose from the dead, God declared you not guilty. Isn't that great? Not guilty. Just. Righteous. Verse 24. You've come to Jesus who presents us with a new covenant, a fresh charter from God. He is the mediator of this covenant. The murder of Jesus, which is what it was, unlike Abel's, a homicide that cried out for vengeance, became a proclamation of grace. Go to verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. In the last two weeks, I've been spending time with the Lord, and this really rose up. Saying, oh, if, the, if churches would begin to preach the gospel of grace, how life would change. The Holy Spirit is referred to in Hebrew as the spirit of grace. We have a gospel of grace to preach to people, not a gospel of judgment, not a gospel of condemnation. It is the God, there is no other gospel for us to preach. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. What's godly fear? My whole heart is yours. That's godly fear. I give my whole self to you. There's no trembling. You're not afraid you're going to get hurt. It's this uh, undeniable passion for him. You're my all in all, and I give my whole self to you. So man fell from all this, and the Holy Spirit came to bring us back into the grace of God. Acts chapter 1. We're almost done. Acts chapter 1. Hallelujah. Let's see. Jesus said this in verse 4. And being assembled together with them. Now this is the risen Jesus, right? This is the glorified Jesus. He walks through walls at this point, right? He's got his glorified body. 
He's about to ascend back unto the Father. And he says to his disciples, he commanded them in verse 4, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for what? The promise of the Father. I love that phrase for the Holy Spirit. God's made many promises, but this was the promise. This is the promise of all promises that my spirit's going to live inside of you now. So wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with what? With who, really? The Holy Spirit. He's not a what, he's a who, right? He's the Spirit of God. He's the promise of the Father. Not many days from now, and it was maybe seven to ten days later when they received it. Look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Power. So why did Jesus command them? That's, that's pretty serious. If the risen Messiah commands you to do something, it's important, right? Why did he command them to stay in Jerusalem? Don't go anywhere until you're clothed with power from on high. Because the world had enough of religion. People need the Holy Spirit. Not our wisdom, the Holy Spirit's wisdom. Not our plan, the Holy Spirit's plan. How did it get that so many churches have become so foreign to the Holy Spirit? Where they've come up with man-made systems of evangelism, but the Holy Spirit isn't, isn't allowed to flow and allowed to change those plans. We're not going to do that here. Holy Spirit, flow. Do what you want to do in our lives. Now, people need the Holy Spirit. Do you know you need the Holy Spirit to get up in the morning? You really do? I think sometimes we forget how much we need God. Jesus said it about as clear as you can. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That includes breathing. Right? He, he gives us the strength to breathe. Now, Luke 24, 49, similar place where Jesus is talking to his disciples before he ascends to the Father. He says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power, there it is again, from on high. Power, 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 power. What was the sign of that power in the book of Acts chapter 2? Speaking in tongues. You can read it on, yourself, on your own. Acts chapter 2, they were clothed with power. The Holy Spirit came upon them. And I want to bring out this one thing and then we'll close. So the Holy Spirit comes upon them on the day of Pentecost, right? What was the day of Pentecost or what was the celebration of Pentecost for? Do you guys remember? It was celebrating when God gave them the law 50 days after Passover, Right? When they came out of Egypt and they were on, or at Mount Sinai and the law was given. That's what Pentecost was for. Well, I want you to notice the difference. When the Holy Spirit came, they began speaking in other tongues. Put Proverbs 18, 21. Remember Jesus said, power, you'll be clothed with power from on high. Why did it manifest in their mouth? Because Jesus knows the Bible, right? Life and death are in the power of the tongue here's where the power is to change your life when you're baptized in the holy spirit it's a supernatural thing your spirit and your tongue are given the ability to pray directly to god without your natural mind getting in the way that's why praying in tongues is such a vital part of our walk with the lord that's why you'll see it in Acts as the disciples went about. Oh, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We'll receive it. They received it. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. Pray in the Spirit on a regular basis. It will transform your life. Amen. It's amazing how many believers maybe are not even, baptized, not even clothed with that power, praying in tongues, but those who have been don't use it on a regular basis. I daily pray in the Spirit. And the more I do it, the more I realize how much I need to do it. It changes everything. It is a supernatural power 
that Jesus commanded his disciples to receive. I'm going to receive it, right? So, day of Pentecost. Well, let's see. I'll just say it for time's sake. Day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes down. And things are very different than the first Pentecost. When God gave the law at Mount Sinai, what happened? 3,000 people died. 3,000 people died. When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost in the New Covenant, what happened? 3,000 people got saved. It's a New Covenant. See, what happened in Acts is the reversal of what happened at Babel. At Babel, you had... uh, Man saying, we can live without God. In Acts, you see 120 people together saying, we're not going to move without God. In, in Babel, you saw man attempting to reach into the dominion of God by his own strength. And in Acts, you see God invading the dominion of man with his strength. In, in Babel, you see man grasping for unity with his own strength, for his own glory, and scattered as a result of it. In Acts, it declares, I think it's uh, somewhere in chapter 2, I don't know if it's verse 5 or 3, verse 5, it says that there was someone present from every nation under heaven. So in Acts, you see this unity coming, not by the wisdom of man, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, every nation under heaven coming together and praying in tongues. This is what happened in the Bible. You should read it. It's really good. There are too many believers, New Testament believers, living Old Testament lives. Jen, come on up here. And it's time to come into the new reality of Christ. Hallelujah. Father, thank you this morning for your spirit ministering to us from the time we've walked in the door. Lord, your presence is transforming in this place. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.